promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 2 Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe, and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the sun, or he will be angry, and you will perish in your rebellion, for his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. Amen. Our reading this week comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory in the same way you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is an interesting section here in First Peter because it's almost a section that speaks, you, you tend to want to think that it only speaks to me, right, as a pastor, talking about elders. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is that uh, in the church, the pastor is an elder in the sense of given a, a position of authority, an office of authority to be in charge of some things in the church, but his, but his main obligation, uh, his or her main obligation is to preach and to teach and to heal, meaning you, you proclaim the gospel, uh, both in, in word and sacrament and deed. You teach as far as encouraging and uplifting the faithful, helping them uh, grow in faith and love uh, for God and for one another. And you heal in the sense of you are there to help bear one another's burdens. You are there to bring the forgiveness of sins, to to lift off the burdens off of shoulders of people who are uh, most definitely burdened. Um, 
and then also do visitation, those sorts of things, go to the hospital, pray with people, that sort of stuff. But there are also people in the church who should be and are designated as elders. There are people in the church who they've been around the block. They're leaders in the church. They're the voices that people listen to when they speak at congregational meetings, for instance. They're voices that people listen to uh, when a decision is needing to be made um, within the congregation. They're the voices that people go to to ask questions and even ask permission of them. And, and this could be anybody. This doesn't have to be uh, a council. Oftentimes, a council uh, should be an elder board in the sense that they should be people picked out from the congregation, uh, picked by the congregation as uh, more senior, mature members of the congregation, uh, members of the faithful, those who have, have lived out their faith in a particular way can be examples for others to help um, lead the church, <clears throat> to be elders in in the congregation. And so here Peter is not necessarily speaking just to pastors. He's speaking to all the leadership. So that may include you. Are you one of those leaders in your church? Are, are you someone who gets called upon to help with making decisions? Are you one of those who gets called upon to help uh, do something within the church? Are you one who does it of your own volition? Uh, maybe you're one who's quick to uh, bring forward a plan to to deal with something that needs to be taken care of in the church. Uh, it, it can be multiple different things, uh, but um, that that is the role of elder, so, someone who has been called out by God, given a particular office, whether they know it or not, to be a leader in the church. And that could be you. It may not be. It it could be someone else. But it's not necessarily just a pastor. Uh, but um, here, if we want to pretend like all Peter is doing is speaking to pastors uh, or shepherds, as, as another word can be used for that, he, he comes to us and he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, which is an interesting thing, right? You have Peter, who's considered the supreme elder, right? He, he was the voice for the church in Jerusalem uh, and, and uh, in a sense, uh, sent out to be, be a missionary. And uh, if, if, we, if we want to listen to church history, a, a particular tinge of church history, the first pope in Rome and all those things, uh, we don't know if that's true or not. But anyways... He says, as a fellow elder, putting himself on a level playing field, on a democratic playing field, not on a top-down situation, as we see in a lot of churches, right? Uh, especially churches that have a, a Episcopal structure, a bishop structure in which we have uh, one person who is elected to be uh, in charge and then uh, other people who are subordinate under him or her and then other people who are subordinate under under those people like bishops and then assistants to bishop and then pastors right well here he's he's talking about in a sense of the church uh, eldership being this this flat playing field as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ he's he's sharing his resume, right? He saw Jesus uh, uh, suffer, uh, be persecuted, and, and die and rise again, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, uh, one who has a part in the inheritance, a part in that which is about to come, the life that is about to come, the new creation. 
that that he's a sharer with us meaning that the same share that Peter is given by Jesus uh, in the world to come, the new creation, is the same share given to us, that we share in it together, uh, that to be revealed. Uh, in, in, the, in a sense, church, we, we have to start thinking about that, that there is no hierarchy in the church. There isn't somehow you are a better Christian than me. Is there is there offices set aside to make decisions and um, help the congregation move forward with particular things? Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, We are called on to have particular people, eldership and others above us because we need to have those in charge. However, that is for orderliness. That is not somehow the pastor is more holy than other people because the reality is, is that we're not, we're not at all. And most of the problems that we have in the church and most of the failures within the church is that we assume that to be the case, be the case and case. And we, we aren't, but he says, uh, shares in, in the glory about to be revealed. Verse two, shepherd God's flock, guide them, lead them, take them out and lead them back home, bring them out to, to clean water and to green grass and bring them back home to the protection of the pen. Shepherd God's flock among you, among you, not overseeing them out of compulsion. Uh, some manuscripts don't have overseeing there, but I like having it there. It's it's this picture. It's it it is where we get the the word episcopus, a uh, uh, bishop from. But it's this notion of being in a like in a lighthouse, looking out over the rocks, kind of a thing, or being a watchman on a wall, looking for enemy. Uh, armies coming, overseeing, looking out for your people. And it says, not out of compulsion, meaning, oh, I've got to do this. I don't want to do this. The, the, the idea the idea being that both for elders that are set aside in the church, leaders that are set aside in the church to do things, my prayer is that for the elders in my church, those whether it be council members or other leaders in the church, as, as well as Uh, myself and my senior pastor, is that we are doing this not out of compulsion. We're not doing it because we have some sense of obligation that we have to, but because we can't think of doing anything else. That's one of the biggest keys for a successful ministry is doing something not because you have to, but because you get to. Because that's what he says here, not out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. That's key, as God would have you. Too often in the church, especially, we, we look around in the church, the local church and outside of the church, and we, we despise what it is that we see of our own church because we like what people are doing somewhere else. But the reality is that God gives you the church that he gives you. And that is more often than not the church that you need that you you may think you want a different church. And that's what ends up happening with people church hopping. They become a church hopper because uh, we, we get a particular picture in our mind of, of what kind of church we think we should be part of when the reality is, is that God gives you the church that you need. But it's the center part of you who thinks that somehow the church uh, needs to look the way that you want it when God hands you the church as his church, as his body, as his bride, and he makes you part of it. 
And you may not like the way some things are done sometimes. You may not like the worship music or the liturgy or whatever, but it's the church, the body of Christ that God has given you. It's the same thing with pastors. I've said this to people millions of times. God gives churches the pastors they need. And if they're a bad pastor, sometimes it takes that bad pastor coming in to maybe shine a light on some of the sins that are in the congregation, but also uh, the the necessity for the congregation to be uh, more picky <laughs> when it comes to getting pastors and trust the process and be willing to understand that they have some control in that. But also, it is this essential quality of being a pastor or being an elder, a leader in the church and understanding that it is God's work. It is God's church. It is as God does as he does. And so, uh, for instance, uh, we have a church here in, in Ridgecrest that, that, uh, that I am part of the pastoral staff here. We have two pastors. And, and both of us sit here and, and hear some people say, well, we're a dying church pastor or whatnot, because we're not as big as we were 30 years ago. Well, we're doing something right because we have new members joining. We have new families coming. We have all these things because God is being faithful and he's calling for us to be faithful in our ministry. And so when, when Peter sits here and says, as God would have you, uh, as God would have you serve, um, that is what we do. We just remain faithful to what it is that God calls us to do, and we allow God to do, do his work. It says, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Uh, that's, that's a big one. Um, they're, yeah. Try, trying to say this as, as carefully as possible. As a pastor, uh, my rule is you cannot pay me enough to do what, is, what it is that I do because it's something that I've been called upon to do and I feel most fulfilled in, in being a pastor and serving my people and proclaiming the gospel and teaching and caring for, for one another uh, in, as the best way that we can. So I, you cannot pay me enough and you cannot pay me too little, but I receive what it is that I receive from the church because the reality is, is that all of it is gift. It is gift given to you to, to give away to the church for the ministry, for the necessity of what needs to be done, as well as it is then a gift to me to serve in the way that I'm going to serve as best as I can. And I'm grateful for all of it. And, and here the problem is, is that uh, oftentimes, especially what we start to find, especially in the American church, is that uh, unlike other churches, such as in England, Australia, places where there are state churches, um, pastors will stay at a certain church for a little while because it becomes a jumping off point to bigger and better things. You, you start out as an associate and then you work your way up to finding a, a position as, a, as a, maybe a solo pastor. And then you uh, end up leaving that church to go to a bigger church where you can be a senior pastor. And then you end up becoming a church bureaucrat or maybe a president or a bishop or, or whatever. Um, when in uh, other structures, there's no incentive. There's no monetary incentive or anything like that to be able to do those sorts of things. When it is that you can just take a position and, and do what it is that God has called you to do for the betterment of the church. I was a solo pastor for four years uh, in a two-point parish, and then I took a, a one-year interim as a co-pastor 
in a two-point parish before I made my way here to, to California, taking a position as an associate, uh, in part because I needed to take a step back. I was getting a little burnt out, but also I knew my gifts. And my gifts were around things such as teaching and families and youth and those sorts of things. And so uh, uh, it, was, it was not the goal of trying to, to, to get a bigger or better thing. It was to be placed in where I can work for the sake of the church. And it goes the same for us as leaders in the congregation. It goes the same for us as members in the congregation. God has called you to serve in some way, shape, or form, and we do it as God has called us, not out of greed for whether it be position, prestige, or money, but we do it eagerly because God has called and gifted us. It says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This goes without saying again. I already talked about this a little bit. It's not for us to... to have some sort of position of power to break people down, but it is that, that we're given, especially as pastors and leaders and elders in the church, we're given a responsibility to be examples of those who have been bought at a price, who have been forgiven all their sins, and able to be examples to the congregation to say, don't we have a wonderful Jesus? Let me show you how wonderful he is in the way that we live out our our faith and love because of the one who has bought us, who has captured us, who has done his work upon us. And when the chief shepherd appears, verse four, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's a beautiful passage. It's something that we look forward to, right? In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. Uh, This is something that probably needs to be talked about more in the church. The reality that uh, although we are a democratic process, we need to trust the leadership that God has given us. That goes for me in, in trusting my counsel that uh, that I um, I am accountable to, as well as my senior pastor. Um, but also, if they they tell me that I need to do something, then I need to do it, right? Um, because in the same way, we as the church have been subjected to God, subjected to Christ, brought low because he has brought us low uh, so that he might exalt us uh, through his work in us and for us. All of you clothe yourselves with humility, uh, putting on humility like uh, uh, a garment, putting on your humility like a coat. Yeah. And it says specifically toward one another, being humbled, being brought low in the sense of giving up the greater seat to take the lesser seat, as Jesus' parable tells us once. He says, because, and he, and he quotes from uh, uh, a variation of Proverbs chapter 3, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The proud needing no grace, no mercy. The humble being in need of all grace, all mercy. Well, church, this is the the work of the church, and and it's all based on how Peter talks about it here—the sufferings of Christ. That that we serve in this manner, in a humble way, in a, in a in a level playing field way, in a way in which we don't exalt ourselves or or think that the grass is going to be greener because we have Christ as an example for us, who came and suffered and died. And that is the gift of the gospel to us. And that is how the gospel works within the ministry of the church. 
that it is that everything is based upon the cross. You want to figure out how you should put together a church, put together a ministry. You need to look at what it is that happened in Christ, and then you will know that it is how it is that we are called to serve. We are called to serve in humility because Christ served us. Let us pray. Lord, we pray to you that your grace may always go before and follow after us and make us continually to be given to all good works. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, as I keep saying, I'm so thankful for those of you who are listening. I know uh, we've had some regular listeners there in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, We have a new one in in Finland, which I think is awesome, Uh, Paris, uh, and then all over California, of course, and Minnesota, and I think we have some in Vegas and some other places. Um, I'm thankful for what it is that you you are doing, Uh, and, and I would ask, please continue to share this that we might reach others uh, with the the freedom of the gospel, the gift of God's grace found in Jesus Christ. With that, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.